Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media, to make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. We see in this passage that Christ said a lot of challenging words, words that his disciples really didn't understand, words about leaving them, and you know, they're wondering what he's really talking about. And so we have to ask ourselves, why Christ spoke these things? Why did he speak the things that he spoke? And the answer is very clear at the very end of this passage. He says, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Right? And so he's telling them the reason why he spoke these words to them. He's telling them that the reason I've spoken these things to you, that you may have peace. That in me you may have peace. That's why I've spoken these things to you. And so it begs the question, well, what does he mean by peace? What does he mean by peace? Just for us to kind of find a sense of harmony, for us to have a nice good old time and sing Kumbaya and say, okay, it's all peaceful, it's all dandy. When we think about peace in Christ, it's totally different than the secular sense of peace. I want to bring your attention to what we pray at the 12th hour of Igbeya. There's a beautiful gospel passage that the church has set for us at the conclusion of the day. And that's whatever Simeon says this praise, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared before the face of all people, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. Why did, did Simeon make this praise? And why does the church put it as the gospel passage of the 12th hour at the end of our day? The tradition of the church is that Simeon, this elder, was blind for several years. And it's because when Ptolemy was instructing the elders to translate the Hebrew Old Testament into the Greek, just so that he can make it accessible to other people. He was one of the 70 scholars that were assigned to translate the Old Testament from Hebrew to Greek. And when it came to this word that the virgin shall give birth, he wanted to translate it in a more literal way. So he said that a young lady should give birth, right? And so God revealed to him that since he didn't translate this right away because of his doubts, because of his lack of faith, that he's going to be blind until he sees the fulfillment of this prophecy, right? That he will see the virgin giving birth. And so for over 300 years, Simeon was alive. And it's good to have a good long life, but 300 years of pushing it, right? So he came to a point where he's just restless. He has no peace, right? Until finally what? He lifted up the child Jesus in his arms and he said, Lord, now you are finally letting your servant depart in peace. Now I see the fulfillment of your word. And it's not until he carried the child Jesus in his arms and symbolically that means that he beheld him in his heart. It's not until he finally carried him that he can say, I have peace. Right? And so after a long day, we have a lot of stress, a lot of anxieties, a lot of worries, a lot of troubles. And the church puts this passage for us before we can rest and put our head on our pillow and say, now I can rest and have peace. 
So it's not until we can behold Christ, until He enters our heart, that we can truly have peace. Because the peace that Christ is talking to us about is the peace that is in Him. Right? He didn't say, these things I've spoken to you that you may have peace. There's a critical little phrase in there. He says, these things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. Because peace that is real is in Christ. Right? It's not just about having good teamwork and harmony. You know, you could find a gang that's peaceful. A gang full of thugs and gangsters may have perfect harmony and they're working together as a team, they're peaceful. But that's not the peace that Christ is talking to us about. Right? And that's why He spoke these words to them. So that they could have this divine peace. The peace that transcends all understanding. This tells us that for us to do what Christ did for His apostles is to be a source of peace to others. Just as Christ said, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace, if we are to enter in His shoes, right, participate in His life, then the words that we speak to others should impart that very same peace. Right? That when others hear what we speak, they get that sense of divine peace, not that secular peace of everyone is just nice and dandy, we sing kumbaya and everything is cool. No, it's that divine peace that we should impart that to others. We should be a source of divine peace to the whole world. And how do we do that? By the things that we speak. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. By our words alone, we may give peace to the world. By our words, we may give peace to the world. Our words are very powerful. A lot of times we belittle their value. In Proverbs 10, 11, the scriptures tell us, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. In 15, 23, a few chapters later, An appropriate answer brings joy to a man, and a word in due season is a delight. In the next chapter, 16, verse 24, Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. In chapter 25, verse 11, The right word at the right time is like precious gold set in silver. Unfortunately, words are now pretty cheap. Unfortunately, words have lost their meaning, they've lost their value. Now, Pope Krolis would always say, We just fill the air with words. We say so much nonsense. We're always blabbing and blabbing and blabbing. We just fill the, the air with nonsense, with words. Just empty words. Idle words. Right? And what happens whenever we're speaking these constant idle words, when we're just blabbing, then we fall into error. Proverbs 10.19 says, A flood of words is never without its faults. A flood of words is never without its faults. So when we find ourselves just blabbing, rarely does it end well. <laughs> I have to remind myself when I, I think I'm just blabbing. I'm like, where am I going? What am I saying? Right? What's the purpose behind what I'm saying? Why am I saying what I'm saying? What's the reason? that I'm speaking, right? Because when we have 
all of these idle words, then we fall into gossip, we fall into all of this idle talk. We just talk about nonsense, right? That's what a flood of words produces, produces error. And just as a side note, just a word of advice for all the youth and, and young men and women, if you want people to take you more seriously, take the words that you speak more seriously. Right? Because when people see that you're always speaking valuable words, they'll take you more seriously. Right? That's just a little side note. Right? A lot of times we're just blabbing and blabbing and blabbing, and then, okay, no one's going to take you seriously when all you do is just blab. Right? But unfortunately, that's the norm in our culture. Unfortunately, we're filled with constant noise, just words, empty words, chatter. Henry Nowen says, over the last few decades, we've been inundated by a torrent of words. Wherever we go, we're surrounded by words. Words softly whispered, loudly proclaimed, or angrily screamed. Words spoken, recited, or sung. Words on records, in books, on walls, or in the sky. Words in many sounds, many colors, or many forms. Words to be heard, read, seen, or glanced at. Words which flicker off and on, move slowly, dance, jump, or wiggle. Words, words, words. They form the floor, the walls, and the ceiling of our existence. It hasn't always been this way. There was a time, not long ago, without radios and televisions, stop signs, yield signs, merge signs, bumper stickers. There was a time without the advertisements which now cover whole cities with words. Recently, I was driving through LA, and suddenly, I had the strange sensation of driving through a huge dictionary. Wherever I looked, there were words trying to take my eyes from the road. They said, use me, take me, buy me, drink me, smell me, touch me, kiss me, sleep with me. In such a world, who can maintain respect for words? All this is to suggest that words, my own included, have lost their creative power. Their limitless multiplication has made us lose confidence in words and caused us to think, more often than not, they're just words. How true is that? That we come to a point where we just say, they're just words, right? How many of you heard the phrase, talk is cheap? Right? Talk is cheap because everyone talks, right? But that's sad, right? That's the sad reality. That talk shouldn't be cheap. Words are valuable. Words are very precious. When you say something and you mean it and it has power, it has purpose, it serves a purpose, then it benefits others, right? Then it's no longer cheap, but it's valuable. Words are so valuable that they will be the measure by which we are judged. Words will be the measure by which we are judged. Christ said in Matthew 12, 36-7, Every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. By your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. That's convicting. That I am going to give an account for every idle word that I spoke. And by my words I'll be justified, and by my words I will be condemned. I have to ask myself, how often do I just find myself blabbing, chattering, idle talk, or even worse, 
gossip, even words, slander, insults. But if it's so much as an idle word, that alone is to my condemnation. Right? Again, words are valuable. They should give life. Right? Christ isn't telling us this to fear the thought of speaking, but to give more value to the words that we're speaking. See, it's to encourage us to use our words wisely. Because our words can give peace to the world. Right? And there are many opportunities when it's necessary to speak. When we have to use our words. His Holiness Pope Shunur III says, One may remain silent and lose the advantage of speaking a word of benefit, a word of consolation, a word of advice. And also lose the opportunity to witness for the truth. Right? So many times... We're in a position to speak, to use our words wisely. And we may shy away from that opportunity. Maybe because we're fearful, we're insecure, we're shy, we're embarrassed, whatever it may be. Right? Or maybe we just don't have the right words. But again, one may remain silent and lose the advantage of speaking a word of benefit. Right? We should prioritize that above all else. To speak when it's the right time. And this is what we pray for right after the fraction. There's a silent prayer. Most of you don't see this because you may not be following along in the silent prayers of the priest. But right after the fraction, the priest says, We ask and entreat your goodness, O lover of mankind, that since you have purified us all, you join us to yourself through our partaking of your divine mysteries, that we may be filled with your Holy Spirit and confirmed in your upright faith having been filled with the longing for your true love. And listen to this. May we speak of your glory at all times in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the, the product of our union with Christ, once we are filled with his body and his blood, we may what? Speak of his glory, how often? At all times. Right? That's what we are striving for. That's what we want to do. We want to always speak of His glory. Right? We want to use our words wisely. We want to use our words for the benefit of others. St. Cassiani, she's a beautiful, bold saint. She says, I hate silence when it's time to speak. And I concur with that. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think that really summarizes the way I feel about inappropriate silence. Right? But of course, there's a time to be silent when it's not my place to talk and it's not the right time to talk. Right? But you should hate silence when you are supposed to speak. Right? Because it could be a time when your words give peace, give guidance, give comfort. Maybe to challenge a friend. You're in a position to convict someone with love. Right? That's when your words are necessary. St. Perferius shares a beautiful story in, in his life. There was a young girl that went home and, and her parents caught her talking to a guy on the street. Nothing was really going on, but they assumed the worst. And so they overreacted and scolded her. They beat her. They abused her. And... Like after that sort of treatment, she was crushed. She was broken. Right? She didn't feel loved. And so 
She wanted to end her life. Right? The very next day, she went with her dad to the field because you know, they wanted to just water the field. And so she took with her some pesticide and, and hid it in her pocket. Right? It's basically a, a toxic substance right? to, to commit suicide. And so she went out with her father into the field and she walked at a distance so that her father doesn't see her. And she reached into her pocket, and then there she sees St. Porphyrius. St. Porphyrius looks at her and he says, Look at this field and how beautiful it is. You know, I wonder how beautiful paradise is. Paradise must be filled with joy and beauty. It must be the most amazing place. And I presume hell is the exact opposite. Right? There's sorrow and darkness and so on. Right? And he just spoke to her about that. And of course, she heard this right, about, like, right at the same time that she's about to take her life. Right? And then, you know, he gave her an encouraging word to keep her hope alive. Then she says, okay, wait, wait, let me go call my dad so he can come and take your blessing. She goes, calls her dad, comes back, and St. Porphyrius is gone. He disappears. Fast forward several years later, this girl goes to her grandma's house because her grandma typically would host all of the, the monks and the priests that would come to visit. And so her grandma tells her to prepare a cup of tea for a guest that they're having. Okay, this is years, years later down the road. And so she goes in, grabs a drink, and then walks out. Who does she see sitting in her grandma's house? St. Porphyrios. And she says, I almost dropped the tray when, when I saw his face. And then he introduced himself and he said, I'm Father Perfurius. Right? And it turns out at that point, she was married, joyful, happy with children. And it was all because of the words that he spoke to her in that field that he saved her life. He saved her life just by speaking to her these encouraging words. Right? Our words aren't just reserved for these critical life-threatening events, right? Even the smallest words can leave an impact on people in the most ordinary ways. And so it's not just like these big events, these big situations that require a word of encouragement and a word of hope, right? Even the most ordinary events are opportunities for us to give hope to others. Okay? Mother Teresa says, kind words can be short and easy to speak, but their echoes are truly endless. Okay? So we don't necessarily have to give a sermon or these spiritual messages to people. Right? We don't necessarily have to talk about the message of the gospel, although we should whenever it's the right time. Right? But that's not the only way to give peace to others. Just a gentle smile, just a word of encouragement, a word of hope, a word of love, right? I remember many years ago, I was in junior high, and I was in Pittsburgh in church on a Sunday morning, right after a bombing happened in Egypt. And so, obviously, everyone was shook by it, right? It, it was a traumatizing event. 
Several people died. Everyone was still not sure what's going on, what's happening next. And I remember sitting in the altar right behind the iconostasis with an older servant, just about like maybe five, six years older than me, maybe in college or so. And we're just sitting on the floor and we're talking about what happened. And, you know, we're just thinking about how scary it must have been to be in that building whenever this explosion happens and how terrifying it was for those people that lost their life. And then I remember how he just casually said, I wish I was there. You know, just casually as if we're just, you know, talking whatever is on our mind, not like intending to make a point or to give a sermon. He just says, I wish I was there. And I was like, what? I looked down and I said, really? And then, you know, the smile on his face got a little bit bigger. He looked at me and just nodded. And so I thought to myself, wow. If he has that faith, right? Just a few years older than me, this young man in the church, not necessarily a priest or a monk or some bishop, right? But by these few small words, I wish I was there, pierced my heart that I was filled with so much courage after that, that I remember that that was a pivotal day in my life. That ever since that day, I wanted to wish I was there. And even though deep down inside, I really didn't wish I was there, but I wanted to reach the point where I could wish I was there. Right? And he had no idea what his words did for me. No idea. Just casually telling me, I wish I was there. Just speaking whatever's on his mind. But... Out of the abundance of the heart, what the mouth speaks. When our heart's in the right place, and words of life flow from our heart, we give life, healing, hope, peace, and salvation to the world. That's what this gospel is all about. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. I'll leave you with a simple question. How many words... Do you think you will have said by the end of your life, on average? How many words do you think you will have said? By the time your life is over, let's say you live 80 years on average. I don't know what the average lifespan is now. Let's say it's 80 years. On average, how many words do you think you will have said by the end of your life? 860 million words. 860 million words. Just to put that in context. Okay. Think of the Oxford English Dictionary, which is a 20-volume set of dictionaries filled with like, you know, thousands of words in each volume. And then multiply that by 14 is the amount of words you will have said by the end of your life. It's a lot of words, right? And if you're like me, always talking up here, you probably like double that. <laughs> But it reminds me to value the number of words that are at my disposal. Right? We have to value that. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has power of life and death. The tongue has power of life and death. That's what I want to leave you with. That thought. To recognize the power in your tongue. The power in your words. The power to give life or 
When those words are misused, they can break people. They can cause death. But when they're in Christ, when they flow from a place of love, they give life, they give salvation, and they give peace. And to God is due all glory forever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.